Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. Riverbend Church exists to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoy this message. series called We Are Riverbend. We've been in it for a few weeks now, and today we're going to be unpacking our value family matters. So if you're in Oakwood, if you're online, if you're here in the room with us, we're all on the same page. We're going to be talking about the family today, and this is a very important subject that I can't wait to teach on, but when they first gave me the subject that we were going to be teaching on today, Family Matters, I couldn't help but get taken right back to the 90s and uh, see that sitcom. Anybody? I heard a couple laughs, maybe. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, I I wish I could sing better. I would sing the theme song and we could all join in. In my mind, like driving here today, I was like, we could have a fun, you know, karaoke moment, but then I realized it probably would never end that way. So I chose not to do that. Uh, But if you remember the show, that's a pretty fun show, right? Family Matters. And there is a line at the end of that theme song that talks about the love that you find in the family. And there really is nothing like the love of a family. But I'm not naive to think today that there aren't people in this room that come in here and we're talking about family and maybe your experience with family is not loving. Maybe your experience is broken. We know ultimately that there are no perfect families anyway, so even if your family is great, it's still not perfect. So you probably have some baggage that you're bringing into a conversation around family as well. So we're going to be sensitive to that today and we're going to to work our way through scripture about what, what God says about the family. But at the end of the day, we want you to know that family matters to River Bend. Your family matters. Our family matters. River Bend Church family matters. And, and ultimately, more importantly, God's family matters. And, and we can belong to that family. And when we belong to that family, our family is stronger. And when when we belong to that family, our families are stronger as well. So that's what we're talking about today, how families matter here at Riverbend Church. And we want to talk about what it looks like to be healthy as a family. I, I believe that there is a path to health in the family. No matter what background you come from, no matter how difficult your situation, your story, if you're a part of a broken family today, there's good news. If, if you're a part of a family that's on the verge of breaking apart and falling apart, maybe you're in this room today saying, I'm, I'm really like, we may not be together soon. I know from stories today that there are families that are on the verge or already have split. There's good news, even in the midst of that. Maybe you're in this room and you've never felt like you've had a family. You've never been able to belong to a family at all. There's good news for you today. The the problem, let's, let's just get 
get it straight before we start. The problem is that sin has broken what the family was designed for. Sin has broken the family and what God originally designed it for. But the solution is that the gospel welcomes our brokenness into the family of God. No matter how difficult your situation, no matter how far you are away, no, no matter how, no matter where you are today, the gospel welcomes the broken into the family of God. This was by design. In the original design, before sin entered the world, we see in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 27 and 28, when God created mankind, right? He created male and female. And then what did he tell them after he created them in verse 28? He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. And I've been down to River Kids and over across the way uh, recently, and I know that y'all have been obeying that commandment, okay? It's how you grow a church, one way. Be fruitful and multiply. But he said, subdue it. Take care of it. Manage it. Sub subdue the earth. And, and then have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This was the design. This is the way that God put it in order. Out of the family comes the fruit of generations that fill the earth and subdue it. The importance of the family cannot be overstated. God's plan to multiply his creation on the earth starts with the family. This is by design, but that design was corrupted by sin. We know this. Not long after this picture, sin entered the scene. Adam and Eve chose to go a different direction than what God had commanded. And we see a relentless cycle after the fall. Adam and Eve sinned. Adam blamed Eve because that's what we do, you know. They had two sons and one of the sons killed the other. And then we fast forward a little bit and we see Abraham, who God's, God chose to be the father of many nations. And Abraham married two wives because he couldn't wait on God's timing. And so he took another wife for him to have a child and, and then broke the design for the family and for marriage. And then eventually he kicked that wife and her child out of the house and sent them on. And that child became a forefather of Islam. And then, and then later on, we see Jacob, who, who, who was Abraham's grandson, married multiple wives as well, just carrying out the example of his grandfather. And he had 12 sons. And eventually his son sold his youngest son into slavery. And then we fast forward further than that down the lineage and we find King David, who married multiple wives, and one of those he took was Bathsheba, who was a, a wife of one of David's best soldiers. And, and when David got Bathsheba pregnant after this affair, he chose to send the best sold, one of his best soldiers onto the front line so that he could die. And, and we got all this mess going on. And out of that mess, Bathsheba and David 
the son that they bore from that situation was Solomon. Solomon was considered the wisest man on earth. And he, of course, also indulged himself in many wives and concubines. And, and you, get to, you get through the Old Testament, you're reading, and it's like, what is going on? What's going on with God's people? family relationship has been broken by sin time and time again. And what we face in our culture today is more of the same. The enemy loves to feed on the effects of sin by confusing specifically the nuclear family unit, attempting to redefine marriage. What is marriage? Are you sure that that's what God meant by marriage? Attempting to redefine sexuality. Are you sure that it's just male and female? Starting to sow confusion. And we see this in our culture. We, we can't deny the, the pressure that we feel to succumb to these confusing paths. And, and these things that are different. Just flat out different than the way that God designed it created male and female and told them to be fruitful and multiply. So even, even if you don't believe the Bible today, can we just level set something really quick? And I'm really not trying to be crass with this. I think it's just a fact. Every person in this room, every person in Oakwood, every person online, every person is a product of one male and one female. This is what it is. It's not up for debate. Be fruitful and multiply can only happen between a male and a female. Have you ever stopped to think why the enemy is so set on trying to confuse marriage and what the family should look like and, and to confuse sexuality and gender and all of these things that we're talking about here in 2023. Have you ever stopped to think why is Satan so interested in redefining the family? I think first and foremost, he's interested in it because if a man never joins with a woman, there would never be any fruitfulness or multiplication. There would never be more children. It's an onslaught against how God designed for us to procreate. If the enemy can corrupt our means of procreation, he can do generational damage. That's why the Bible is so strong when it's warning us against sexual immorality. Because when we pervert God's design for sex, we ruin his design for multiplication and fruitfulness. God designed the family to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it. And also he designed the family to be the vehicle that carries his name from generation to generation. Watch this progression. We see in Genesis chapter 12 that God promised his chosen people through the line of Abraham. They would be the people through which all the families of the earth will be blessed. We see this beautiful promise coming out of 
the first parts of Genesis. And then we get to Exodus 19 and we see God coming on Mount Sinai and calling the people to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation to be sent as witnesses witnessing people for God, carrying his name, not just to people who know the truth but, and keep it for themselves, but a people who would bless all the families of the earth with the good news of God's love and redemption. This is the design, and, and, and it happens through the family. And then we get to the central truth of the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's called the Shema. It's a prayer. It's a song that they would constantly, day after day, say and sing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. The, the Lord your God is one. He is unique, totally set apart, and holy, and he is one. Love him. He is your deliverer. He's your rock, your redeemer, your refuge, your strength, your ever-present help in time of need, your strong tower, your fortress when you're weak. He, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. So love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. My mom used to tell me all the time, she said, Jared, write God's word on your heart. I'd be like, what are you talking about? I can't write on my heart, you know. That's some of the best advice I've ever gotten. Write God's word on, what does that mean? That means know it and remember it and do whatever you can to keep it as close to the inmost part of who you are. So that when life shakes you to the core, what's in your core is the very word of God. Write it on your heart. Write it on your heart. And this is what God told the people of Israel to do. But then look at what he says next in verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Family. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. They would tie it in front of their face so they could see it. It, these words of God. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Put them in front of your face. Write them on your heart. Teach them diligently to your children and remind them of who their God is. Remind them. Talk about my words when you sit at your house. Talk about my words when you walk by the way. Talk of them when you lie down and when you rise. Write them on your doorposts and on your gates. Speak of what the Lord commands so much that it gets embedded into the very fabric of who you are until it becomes the life and the breath of your family. And when you're not around anymore, the testimony will continue because it'll be written all over your house and more importantly, it'll be written on their hearts. So we see that the way God designed the family is not only to know him and to make him known, but, but the family is to make him known through the family. 
The family is the vehicle of making him known to the world around us. Teaching diligently from generation to generation. So fathers and mothers who are in the room, I wonder what is keeping us from gathering our families together to pray? What is it that's keeping you from gathering your families together and, and leading them in a devotion? Speaking to them about God's love and mercy? Helping write God's word on their heart? What, what is it that keeps us from that? Because God's word has always been... His plan has always been for His Word to be passed down from generation to generation. And that plan begins with the family. That's why I think Satan is so concerned about destroying the family. You better believe that Satan is not confused about the power of sin. He's not confused about it. We are sometimes. He's clear. That's why he wants to sow confusion. There's this... This really um, difficult experiment in science that they did on frogs. And I'm sorry if you have a pet frog and, and you don't like it when people talk about cruelty to animals. I get it. Like, I'm not trying to talk about cruelty to animals. I'm not trying to uh, incite violence towards frogs. Okay? I just want to let that out there. I'm not. That's not me. All right? My kid loves. My son loves frogs. He catches frogs all the time. I'm just waiting on the warts. But anyway. There's an experiment where they put the frog in a pot of water and they start to turn up the heat. And the water gets hotter and hotter, but the frog doesn't notice because the frog is acclimating to the temperature. He's adjusting to the temperature of the water. So as the water temperature rises, the frog really doesn't notice because all the while the frog is adjusting to the surroundings. And then the water comes to a boil and it's way too late and the frog literally will boil to death because he doesn't recognize the change in temperature. And I think this is an illustration that helps us understand our dilemma very, very well. We have grown to be so desensitized to the culture around us that the water, we're in hot water, the water is boiling to the point where we're about to boil. But we can't tell because we've adjusted to it. I would submit to you today, don't look around at the culture. Don't look around at other families and compare. Don't, don't look at the culture to see if your family's doing well. That's not a very good thermometer of how hot the water is. I would submit to you today to look at the Word of God, to look at the Holy Spirit and allow Him to be your thermometer to tell you how hot the water is. And if your family is in hot water today, I would urge you to get them out. Get them out. God's plan to build and strengthen and protect the family begins with the parents. Fathers and mothers united with Christ in the center. No, no matter how... I know I already did my little soapbox thing about the family unit and the fathers and mothers and, and how the, the enemy's trying to corrupt all that. But, but just, just for a moment, the, please understand, we cannot improve upon God's design. 
He designed it this way. He he organized it this way for a reason. And the culture, the world, science is trying to improve upon the way that he designed it. But there's never been a better solution for raising families than a father and a mother together. Loving, faithfully, consistently, pointing their children in the direction of the Lord. We've got to get back to God's design. I believe that the answer to a healthy family, whether your family's broken, whether maybe you're a single parent in this room, the, the answer to a healthy family with working with what you have right now is to orient everything around Jesus. If you're a father and a mother that's together and has been for 20 years, the answer is to orient everything around Jesus. If you're a single mother whose, whose husband abandoned you, the answer to everything in your family for health is to orient everything around Jesus. That's the answer. It's the answer throughout the scripture. The, the whole scripture is oriented around Jesus, if you haven't noticed. The whole thing points back to him. And God's design when he sent the Savior is so that we could be forgiven personally, but also so that we could lead our families in this same forgiveness. And out of that family, we could be the vehicle to carry the name of Jesus to the world around us. Orient everything around Jesus. It begins and ends with him. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the answer. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Apostle Paul teaches the same thing. Throughout many of his letters, he teaches, orient everything around Jesus. We get to the end of Ephesians 5 and 6, and he's saying, orient everything around Jesus. In chapter 5 of Ephesians, he's talking to wives and husbands, and he's talking to children as well. He gets to the beginning of chapter 6, and he, he's talking about the family in, inclusive of wives, husbands, fathers, mothers, children. No matter where you are, there's a place for you to play, and the whole thing is built on this truth. Orient everything around Jesus. Jesus, in the beginning of chapter 5, he, he roots the teaching of the family in being filled with the Holy Spirit and submitting with one another to one another out of reverence to Christ. In other words, to have a healthy family be filled with the Holy Spirit and orient everything around Jesus. And then he comes to the end of the letter in Ephesians chapter 6, and we find this beautiful teaching about the armor of God. It's no coincidence that he follows up a teaching about the family with the armor of God. Because we're in a battle. Because we need armor. We need to know what our weapons are. We need to know how to wage war. And Paul gives it to us right here, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, a final word to you, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. First and foremost, your strength doesn't come from you, doesn't come from your weapons, it comes from the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the, of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing 
firm. So stand your ground. Verse 14, here comes the armor. Putting on the belt of truth. The belt of truth. You're going to need the belt of truth. The belt ties the whole armor together. For the Roman soldier, it tied the whole armor together. What ties the armor together? Truth. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Some translations say the breastplate of righteousness. How many of you know that's an important piece of armor? The breastplate. And that breastplate is righteousness. How do you get righteousness? You believe, you trust in the Son, Jesus Christ. He is our righteousness. We put on the breastplate reminding us that we've been saved by grace through faith. And we wear that breastplate. And then for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. That, that good news is the gospel. And some translations call them the shoes of gospel readiness. Put on, on your feet the good news of the gospel to send you out and keep you moving forward. And in addition to all of these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. There are arrows that are coming and your shield will be your faith. How do you cling to that faith? You remember the word of God. You remember his word when he says he will be with you to the end of the age. You remember his word when he says, I'm your strong tower. I'm your fortress. I will avenge your enemies. I let re, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, declares the Lord hold up that shield when you go into battle the shield of faith and put on salvation as your helmet I love this because we need a helmet to protect our mind to protect everything that comes in so the filter of every thought should be our salvation we should declare over every situation that we are saved by grace through faith that, that we will be winners in the end that we will be more than conquerors through him who loves us our salvation should lead Every thought that comes through our mind and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I love how he puts the offensive weapon last. The sword of the spirit. What's the sword of the spirit? The word of God. Wield it as a sword. To wield the word of God as a sword, you must know it. You must remember it. And it must be what? Written on your heart. You don't want to have to go looking for that sword when it's time for the battle. You want it to be written. So put on the full armor of God. Put it on personally, individually. And put it on your families. Clothe your children with this armor. Just as the people of Israel put the word of God in their hearts and on their houses, we should do the same. We should clothe ourselves with the full armor of God so that we can stand firm against the enemy. Maybe you're in a broken situation today. Maybe your family's broken or on the verge of being broken. Maybe your parents aren't together anymore. Maybe your parents haven't been together in a long time. Maybe you don't even know your parents. Maybe you've never met your father. Or maybe you're a parent in this room and your child ran away and won't come back. Or your child, child is out doing his or her own thing. Seems hopeless. 
Or maybe you're a parent in this room on the verge of wrecking your own life and, and your family. Maybe you're a father in this room and only you know, only you know how devastating your next decision could be on your family. You've been keeping that secret for a long time and it's been building and building and building and you're about to make another decision that's going to wreck it all if somebody finds out. Maybe you're in the room and, and you're, you just feel estranged. You feel left. You feel like you don't belong to any family and there's no hope for that. And all this talk about family doesn't really apply to you. Can I tell you today, no matter where you are, there is no perfect father. There are no perfect mothers. There is no perfect family except one. And that one perfect family is growing and could grow today right here in this very moment because the father of that family is in the business of adoption. And you've never experienced a love like this. You've never experienced mercy like this that you don't deserve. You've never experienced grace like this that you don't deserve from this loving the everlasting love of our faithful heavenly father. You can belong to this family today. You can belong to that perfect father. If you've never met him today, today is the day of salvation. You can meet him. You can step into his family. You can step into his arms. And the gateway into that family is repentance and faith. Repent of your sins. Turn from the ways in which you've been walking and turn towards him and trust in his work. Trust in the finished work of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and do it by faith. That's the gateway into this relationship. It's as simple as that, to, to call on Jesus as Savior and Lord and follow Him, leaving your past, forsaking your sin. That could be you today, even if you've never met Him. He's here to meet you today. And before you leave, I would urge you to come and find me or grab somebody else and, and tell them, what God's doing in your heart. Don't leave this place without making your relationship with Him right. If you're in Oakwood today, don't leave without making your relationship with the Lord right. But maybe you're in this room and you don't... You know Him, but you're far from Him today. And you know it. And you know that you need to come back. And you know that, that there are things in your life that you need to stop. And, and you, need to, you, need, you, need, you, you know that you need to turn around. Fathers, mothers, children. I want to tell you today, he has never stopped loving you. He has never stopped pursuing you. You are here today and you're living and breathing and that is testimony that he is still pursuing you. And the gateway into his embrace, once again, you guessed it, repentance 
and faith. Not repentance this time to ultimately be saved because you, if you know him, you've been secured by him and sealed by the promised Holy Spirit. But we still daily walk in repentance and faith. And I want to call you to that. I want to urge you to, to turn around and turn back to him and fall into his arms, repenting of what you've done and trusting in him to forgive you, to love you, to carry you, to be your strength. Trusting that he has everything you need. John chapter 1 verse 10 reminds us that Jesus came into this very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him, to all who accepted him, to all who will believe him today, he will give the right to become children of God. This is a familial term on purpose. All who believed, all who accepted, all who trusted by faith will be given the right to become children of God. They will be reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. A birth that it's only possible because of God, because of what Jesus has done. This is our reality. For everyone who is in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and you've been given the right to become children of God. And I want to implore you today to start acting like it. And start leading your families in this way. To put on the armor of God and not allow the attacks of the enemy to thwart what God is trying to do in the lives of your children. This is a daily battle. We must get up and wage war and push back the enemy. It begins with our family. Oakwood, we love you so much. I'm going to hand it off to Chris and team to take it from here. And uh, we can't wait to see you real soon. We hope you guys have a great rest of your Sunday. As we prepare to close and we consider where we are, what God's speaking to us, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to be real quiet here in a minute. I'm going to stop talking and I want to give you an opportunity to respond whether it's up here in this altar or in your seat, I, I don't know what it needs to be for you. I, but I, I get this strong sense that there are people in this room that, that need to take advantage of this moment to pray and, and to, to lay your family on the altar to lay your life on the altar and, and, and bring your family to the altar and say, God, have your way with us. We don't have all the answers, but we know you do. And, and we need you. Maybe today is the day where you, as a husband, grab your wife's hand and bring her to the altar and, and you guys pray together. Maybe, maybe today's the day where some of your family's in the room and, and you can bring them together and, and y'all can pray together. And as I begin to pray, you can begin to pray. 
And what we're going to do is we're just going to enter a time. We're going to sing one more song. But before that, we're going to enter into a time of prayer where we're seeking God, his direction, his wisdom, his mercy on our families. We believe that the healthier the families are in this church, the healthier this church family will be. And our hope for you is that you would find a place here to belong, yes, but more than that, that you would belong to the family of God and that because of that, you would lead your family well. So we're going to enter into a time of prayer and wherever you are and whatever you're walking through, I would encourage you to do the same. So Father God in heaven, God, I ask that your kindness would lead us to repentance right now in this moment. That's what your word reminds us of, that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And so I pray that as fathers and mothers and children come before you right now, I pray that their hearts would be open and that you would lead them with your kindness to turn back to you. I pray that you would strengthen them as they walk in your ways. God, I want to pray specifically for fathers in this moment. I pray that you would give them a strengthened resolve and courage to lead their families well, to choose their families first, to choose their wives first, and then to choose their, their children as well. God, in a world where we have so much else to focus on, I pray that the fathers in this room would be humble enough to choose their first ministry. Work can wait, ministry can wait. No one else can be a husband for their wife. And God, for the wives in this room, I want to pray for them as well to be, to remain faithful, to remain vigilant, to be like so many women were in my life where they just continually pointed me back to your truth, to your love, to your grace. God, and I pray for the mothers and for the wives that are in this room that, that don't have a husband that's leading, that don't have a husband that's spiritually leading. God, I pray that you would help them, strengthen them. You would pour out your spirit on them that they would remain long-suffering they would have forbearance. They would be patient with, with the way that you're working and that they would never stop praying. Would you raise up praying men and women in this congregation, Lord? Would you make us a praying body, a dependent body? 
And in that, as we depend on your strength, I believe that you will strengthen us. Help us, Lord, by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church Podcast. To learn more about who we are as a church and how to connect, you can head over to our website, riverbendchurch.life.